Altered to biblical history, we're on message number five. Who would have thunk that it would have went five messages? And I, I don't believe we're done. We haven't exhausted the subject matter yet. Today we have a particular title, subtitle for the biblical history series of Altered. It's All on the Altar. All on the Altar. Turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 27, and we just got to pray again. Amen. Father, I want to thank you once again for your word. As people turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 27, I want to thank you for what you have for us today. I want to thank you for the plate that you've set for us, Father. It's spiritually nourishing by the power of your spirit. It is truth that will strengthen us. It is truth that will help to set us free, make us free in Jesus' name, and cause us, even in these perilous times, to know that your hand is moving, Father. It's on us, Lord. It's resting on us, Father. Your will is being accomplished. I say that in faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Your will is being accomplished. I want to thank you for that. Once again, empower this word in our lives. Touch our eyes to see, our ears to hear. Touch our understanding and cause us to see and hear and understand and embrace your word today. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 27. Before a youth pastor, there was a little five-year-old in church where I was a youth pastor once. You get into a habit, a routine of doing certain things a certain way in a church service, and the pastor prayed over the word. That's a good thing to do, isn't it? And when he stopped praying, when he said amen, the five-year-old whispered to his mother, and the only way a five-year-old can whisper, one more prayer, mama, and we're going home. <laughs> well, I, I thought it was pretty funny. A pretty perceptive of that five-year-old knew that one more prayer and they were done, right? All right. So we prayed over the word. Second Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 27 reads like this. Then Hezekiah commanded that the burnt offering be offered on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began also. Pay close attention. I want to read that again. Then Hezekiah commanded that the burnt offering be offered on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began also. And the trumpets accompanied by the instruments of David, king of Israel. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story about something that unfolded. This is not a, 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 an appeal on my part for us to start taking jury up in the offering. That's not, that's not my goal here. I want you to hear uh, this story, though. It's important. Several years ago, during a missions conference in a large church, a missionary made an impassioned appeal for world missions. Immediately after the message, a missionary offering was taken. Just typical. Amen. A young woman present did not have any money, but she wanted to give something to the Lord and to his worldwide cause. She took off her beautiful diamond ring and put it in the plate. At the end of the service, the pastor brought the ring back to her saying, Dear sister, your action was beautiful, but there is more than enough money in the offering to meet the need. Here is your ring back. The young woman replied firmly, Pastor, I did not give the ring to you or to the church. I gave it to Jesus. 
Our text in this study speaks to us of another very important offering made to God. The message of the text is almost concealed in, and I call it the camouflage. How many of you know that you've really got to be paying attention to the Word of God? Sometimes it's as important what it doesn't say as it is what it does say. You've got to pay attention to the details. So watch this with me. The message of the text is almost concealed in the camouflage of the Old Testament, but a careful examination of this scripture will disclose great riches of divine revelation and Christian experience. Now, that's a fancy way of, of, you know, I'm just a country boy. I just put things out there the way. In other words, if you're looking, you're going to see things. Amen? The Holy Spirit will speak to you if you're pursuing divine truth and revelation. Exactly. So this passage of Scripture reveals a scene which needs to be reenacted a thousand times in our hearts and minds because what you're going to see is the children of Israel were going through something like what we're going through right now in this country. All right? So, so what this does, once again, it reveals a scene which needs to be reenacted a thousand times on the more private, personal altars of our hearts. To guide us in exploring the history, I've selected three guide words that describe what unfolded here. The first word is silence. So, uh, Brother Dennis, off, uh, off the top of your head, did you see anything about silence in that passage of Scripture? You don't see it unless you're looking for it. Pay attention. I'm not twisting the Word of God or nothing. I'm just going to share it with you the way it's been put in here. All right? And it's going to... It's going to reveal to you why it was so important to me that today people just spontaneously, uh, they were led, but they spontaneously reached out to God today. Do you know how life and death important that is? It is life and death important. Watch this with me. So the first guide word I want you to pay attention to that pertains to this passage of Scripture is silence. We read in verse 27 that the song of the Lord began. So what was happening up until then? Silence. The song of the Lord was silent. It was not being lifted up to God. The temple was silent. Are you following with me here? This is where the church in America has gotten to. It's silent. It reached a point, oh man, I'm going to tell you now, the, the church in America is crying out to God right now. And the song has begun to be heard in the temple of our hearts. Watch with me now. I, I'm going to lay it out. I love this. If I were a lawyer trying to argue things in court about the Word of God, first of all, I'd have to convince everybody you got to have faith in God's Word. Amen? If you have faith in God's Word, I can convince you, with God's help of the Holy Spirit, the truth that is in it. Amen? All right. The Word began indicates that the song of the Lord had ceased. How many of you know that some cannot begin until it has ceased? All right. Everything inside the temple was still, and it was silent. What had happened to make the song of the Lord cease in the temple? 
The preceding chapter shows us the cause of the silence. Before the righteous reign of King Hezekiah, an evil king named Ahaz reigned over Judah for 16 years. Now, if you're in that chapter, hang with me. Go to chapter 28 and look at verse 1. It's not far away. Chapter 28, verse 1, we read, Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right, and he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord as his father David had done. So, what did this guy do? Well, so bad. You know, what, what's happening in this country today? You know that idolatry is being encouraged in this country. Forms of idolatry are being formed. Hatred of God, worship of everything but him. This is a quiet group today. Except, keep it going, sister. Keep going. Look at verse 3 with me. He made offerings in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his sons as an offering according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. You say, wow, that, that's extreme. They were sacrificing their children on altars in Israel. In Israel, the people that God had raised up for himself, his chosen people, in that nation they had degraded spiritually to the point that they were sacrificing children on altar to their gods. And it wasn't God they were sacrificing them to. That king had reverted to the heathen practice of child sacrifice to false god. But the height of his sinful life was reached near the end of the chapter where in the 24th verse we read, And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God, and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God, and he shut up the doors of the house of the Lord, and he made himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem. I'm telling you that even today in this country, there are politicians that if they could get away with it, they would board up the doors of every church in this country. But the thing about it is, you know, the thing that I love about it is, the reason why God has not already utterly destroyed this country is there's too many Christians left in it. There's still enough praying people that love God and fear God and that eschew evil that the hand of God is working in this country rather than destroying this country. He is placing a call on this country to return to its knees, and it starts with the church. We're getting a clear picture on that. And you know what I love about Life Spring Bible Church? We're not resisting that message. We're not resisting that message. We're going to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Amen? All right. So you see, before Hezekiah came on the throne, for 16 years, Ahaz had poisoned the spiritual life of the people. There was an abrupt departure from God early on in his reign, and it lasted a whole 16 years. Then came a positive change in favor of God. He shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. Watch this now, is what what the evil king did and for 16 years Ahaz, Ahaz stumbled from one frustration to another from one defeat to another have you ever noticed that the evil doesn't succeed it doesn't really flourish it doesn't really succeed in its plans because no weapon formed against us can prosper amen so they live frustrated lives there was one gigantic symptom of what had taken place in Israel during those years the song of the Lord ceased in the land. 
And, and, and let's face it, you know, we're, we're in this organization, the church, man, we, we lulled it into happening. We let it happen. But, but we're not letting it stay that way. Amen? That's what's important. <clears throat> the temple courts of the house of God, which were intended to echo ceaselessly with the praises and the worship of God, instead were silent and still. So am I making this up? No, I'm coming right from the word of God here. Right from the word of God. The, the action needed by the powers of evil to succeed is stop the song of the Lord flowing. Now I want you to feel on. Stop worship. Don't worship. Now I want you to feel uncomfortable. I don't want you to, to reach out and sing to the Lord. No, no, no. Don't, don't sing the song of the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? And within the temples, the song ceased. Prayers were treated as, you know, take it or leave it. Does God really hear me anyway? I mean, God's pretty busy. That's what the devil wanted us to think is that God's so busy he can't hear all of us at once. Yes, he can. He takes every prayer of every child of God extremely finger all. Why? Because you know that, that, that voices are like fingerprints. God can tell the difference between every voice of every human being on this planet that reaches out to him, and he takes it very and he's God. He's God. And he takes your voice very personal. He loves to hear your voice. He loves to hear you talk to him because you're exercising faith in him that you know. Why would you talk to someone you don't believe exists, right? So if there's a lack of prayer time in your life, of using your voice to talk to God and to sing to God and to worship the Lord, there's a lack of faith on your part that he's real. That he even exists. Or that he, even if he exists, he's so busy. And, you know, even if he exists and he's not too busy, you know, he, he probably won't move on my behalf. The devil has myriad Christians believing those lies. The temple courts of that day resemble the hearts of thousands of Christians today. That's without exaggeration. Indeed, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, we are the temple of God. So if it can happen in that physical building, it can happen in, in this building. Amen? But many Christians are mocked by the dead silence of the inner sanctuary of their hearts. The song of the Lord has ceased, even though your heart was meant for music. Did you know that? Your heart was meant for music. That's why it just thrilled me to no end to hear you reach out to God today. And it's just beginning. Amen. This is just surface so far. Amen. Jesus Christ came to stir the Lord's song in human souls. Amen. In John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus said, These things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is to be the normal experience of every Christian. He, ha he is to have a joy at the center of his or her life that is humanly indescribable. It's impossible for me to even describe how, and really in reality, can I describe how it should be for you? Isn't it kind of, you know, have variations on the theme for all of us? Amen? All right. How many of you know that 
the production of fruit is a pretty natural thing. I mean, you know, if the, if the branches are attached to the vine and the conditions are right, fruit happens. It happens. It just happens, right? So fruit should be happening in our lives. Can you say amen? If the branch is properly connected to the trunk, it will bear fruit. If you are properly related to your Lord, joy will be as natural to you as singing is to a bird. Amen? But something is wrong in many lives. The song of the Lord has ceased. The mechanics of the Christian faith have become a drudge to many. Look, look, it is not wrong for you to have concerns about what's going on in the world. But if you're buried in doubt, fear, and unbelief over it, you need to change the path you're on. Amen? It's an ancient tradition of the Jews that in heaven there is trumpet music every morning. I don't know why the Jews believe it, but I don't have a problem believing it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and so I began to look at why we're looking at history here, right? So there's a direction I'm going with this. It's an ancient tradition of the Jews that in heaven there's a trumpet music every morning. And one of the most pathetic legends in the world is of an old Jewish legend which refers to that. It's about Lucifer. That's why I said it's pathetic. Lucifer, son of the morning. In one fable, who for pride was cast out of heaven into the pit? That's not a fable. And someone asked him what he missed most about paradise. Lucifer answered, I miss most the sound of trumpets in the morning. I don't know why that's an important story, but, but even, even Lucifer in these, in these uh, types of stories is talking about missing trumpets in heaven. I, don't have, I played a trumpet for eight years until I ran over it with a moving van. How many of you know when you run over a trumpet with a moving van, you can't run air through that thing anymore, right? I, I probably, y'all pray for me. I need another trumpet, all right? Okay, all right. For many, the sound of trumpets has ceased in the temple of their hearts. What is the reason? There is but one and one only, and it's sin. Sin. An author named Jonathan Goforth said, all hindrance in the church is due to sin. There are no other hindrances in the church but sin. But sin is never merely an occurrence. It's always a sequence. The sin is followed by silence. Do you remember when the prophet challenged uh, the prophets of Baal? We've talked about the altar and the fire came down. And when, when the prophet called for God, the fire came down and, and took up the offering and licked the water out of the trench and all of those things. But when the prophet first challenged the people at the beginning of the day, he, he gave them a challenge. He talked to the children of Israel about, about God, about, you know, the challenge and all that. And you know what it says there? I didn't tell the people said nothing. Matter of fact, the people didn't get excited until they saw the fire come down and lick everything up. Then they got excited. Up until that time, they didn't have anything to say. They were silent. They weren't convinced yet. Right? But sin is never merely an occurrence. It's always a sequence. The sin is followed by the silence. The story of the song-stopping sin in this account is not hard to trace. It's not hard to see why I said silence, right? A, the silence was due to the crowning of an evil king. That's how it started. Hezekiah was one of the best kings in the Old Testament records, even as his father Ahaz was one of the worst. 
Ahaz was so vicious and wicked that the people hated him. When he died, they refused him a sepulcher among the kings of Israel, so he had to sleep in a dishonored grave. Did you know that? Ahaz was not honored in his death. All sin begins with the crowning of the wrong king in the human heart. All sin begins with the crowning of the wrong king in the human heart. Oswald Sanders, in his writings, spoke of the wicked king self. When the king is on the throne, the first big step has been taken to silence the song of the Lord. When the wrong king, when we're in charge, the first step has been taken to silence the song of the Lord. Secondly, then there took place the corrupting of the people by wicked practices. That's what follows. First, the wrong kings on the throne. Second, there took place the corrupting of the people by wicked practices. A rapid succession of degrading sins began to be practiced throughout the land. Third point, then the temple doors were closed against God and his people. When there are no sacrifices on the altar, no sweet incense in the holy place, no blood on the mercy seat in the holy of holies, there is no song of the Lord in the temple. The lamps are no longer lit. And the incense is no longer burned. That means that the proclamations of God are not being heralded and prayer has stopped. Next point, fourth one. Then came the cluttering of the temple with debris and filth. That's what happened in the temple. The birds built their nests, the spiders spun their webs, and the mice played in the neglected courts of the temple of God. Because of this, the joy was missing, and the song of the Lord ceased. For the same reasons, there's a dead silence in the souls of many people today. Silence prevails because sin prevails. And that, that loud silence fills the hearts of multitudes today. Second point. The second guide word for this message is the word surrender. When Ahaz died and Hezekiah succeeded him to the throne, a change immediately came to the nation. In chapter 29, in verse 3, and following that, we read, In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Boom! Just like that, Hezekiah started turning things around, right? The nation's on the high road toward divine blessing. The church doors have been opened again. Pick up in verse 4. He brought in the priests and the Levites and assembled them in the square on the east. Verse 5, and said to them, hear me, Levites, now consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and carry out the filth from the holy place. Still pertains to today, doesn't it? Verse 6, for our fathers have been unfaithful and have done what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. Verse 7. They also shut the doors of the vestibule and put out the lamps and have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place to God of Israel. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord came on Judah and Jerusalem, and he has made them an object of horror, of astonishment, and of hissing as you see with your own eyes. So listen to this. Hezekiah called for a special service in the temple that hadn't been used for 16 years. The service was to be nationwide in scope and influence. The key word for the service was surrender. Verse 24 says, 
the king commanded that the sin offering and the burnt offering be made for all of Israel. The people were called to surrender two things. Watch this with me. First, Hezekiah charged them to surrender their sins. Surrender your sins. Give them up. Give them to God. God wants them. Let God have them. Amen? He said, carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. This is always the first step towards divine blessing. The formula sounds wonderfully like the words of the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, where it says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And in verse 16, we read, They went into the inner part of the house of the Lord and brought out all the uncleanness that they found. They went into the temple and did what they were told. They cleaned house. They went in and done what they were told. Everything they could lay their hands on that didn't belong in there came out of there. Then in verse 23, they offered a sin offering, which was the means of their forgiveness and reconciliation with God. Now, let this be said to Hezekiah's everlasting credit. He lost no time with compromising. He lost no time. I mean, he didn't waste a minute. He became the king, and this is what he did. There was no hesitation. He put first things first. He promptly called the people to repentance to put sin away. Today, many Christians have forfeited the song of the Lord from their lives because the inner shrine of their hearts has become full of sin. We've got to look into our own hearts, every one of us. Amen? I'm I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching for us. Amen? Perhaps you didn't deliberately reach out to bring sin into your heart. Maybe the sun or maybe the sin just accumulated over a period of time when your heart went without regular cleansing. That's what these altars are for, regular cleansing. Amen? Would you, would you think of just continuing to, to wear the same clothes and not wash them? Would you just, would you just consider keeping on with the same dirty, filthy, filthy uh, clothes on your back, never washing them, never cleaning them, and never freshening them up? Well, what makes you think you're any different or any better? Amen? However, it's happened before. The dust and the filthiness of the world has accumulated in our souls and has stifled the song of the Lord. Now we have to deal with our sins. We can't put it off. We can't wait. We can't live our lives like it doesn't exist. I'm telling you, in America, and, and, and I'm just as guilty as anybody, things went a certain direction in this, in this country over the last 50 years, and we let it happen. There are things now that are acceptable even to the church that has no business in the church. And it's time for us to do what we need to do about it. We need to open the doors today. Admit God into the inner sanctuary. Let him search our soul. Show us the unclean things therein. And then by decisive commitment of the will, surrender the sin to God. It says, then Hezekiah called upon them. He commanded them. He didn't call upon them to surrender their total Selves to God. That's the second thing. Surrender the sin, then surrender yourself. Amen? In verse 27, he said, And Hezekiah commanded them to offer the burnt offering upon the altar. What do you think that meant? 
Now, the burnt offering was one of the five Levitical sacrifices in the Jewish sacrificial system. You can study the burnt offering in the very first chapter of the book of Leviticus. In Leviticus chapter 1, verse 3, it says, If his offering be a burnt offering, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. And in verse 9, it says of that same chapter, Leviticus chapter 1, And the priests, now listen to this, And the priests shall burn all on the altar. All, not some, not part. And the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. In the other four Levitical sacrifices, pay close attention to this because there's a reason for everything in the Bible. In the other four Levitical sacrifices, only part of the sacrifice was consumed on the altar as an offering to God. But in this, the burnt offering, everything had to be burned. The key is found in the phrase, all on the altar. Those old sacrifices, the sin offering and the burnt offering, have long since been abolished, but the deep truths which they stand for abide permanently in the purpose of God. Can you picture that scene in the temple on that day? Sixteen years without it. Sixteen years without it. Can you picture that scene in the temple on that day long ago? The vast assembly of people has filled the temple courts. The sacrifice has been laid upon the high altar waiting for the fire. No part has been withheld. It is all on the altar. The people stand hushed and expectant for they know what that burnt offering represents. It represents them. It stands for a total life dedication as they offer themselves body and soul. A willing, eager sacrifice to the God whom for years they have forsaken. Now, I want to speak directly to our hearts for a moment here. We talk about offering to God our time, our talents, and our tithes. Good things. Amen? Good things. But I need to say this to you. That can be an abomination to God. Is that shocking for you to hear me say that? God doesn't want your time, your talents, and your money primarily. There's something else he wants primarily. Many Christians thought they had bribed God with the surrender of parts of themselves while withholding the reins of their lives from his hands. That's when those other things cease to matter. The great danger is that we think only of offering our gifts to Jesus on the altar. God doesn't want any part of you, however valuable you may think it to be. He wants a burn offering, which means all of you. If he has all of you, he has those important things, right? But if all he has are those things we think are important, but we hold back. Maybe that throne, maybe self is still sitting on that throne. Maybe we think we know best for our lives. You're not producing all of the blessings that come forth from the Word of God that says if you do those things in obedience, those blessings that would come forth from it, God will not and is not obligated to honor that. 
It's got to be part of the whole package. All of us. Amen? Now, I'm not going to have you misunderstand me here. When the burnt offering was placed on, all on the altar, it was then divided into parts. Listen to me. The head, the inwards, the fat, the legs. You go to Leviticus chapter 1, 8, and 9, and it talks about that. You should be sure that your total commitment includes a careful dedication of the parts. Your time, your talents, your energies, your speech, your money, your etc., your everything. That's what should go at the end of that. Etc., etc., etc. Amen? So, we can't hold back anything, any part that God wants in our lives. Amen? All right. Got to get back here. All right. I want to offer to you a step-by-step -step formula here real quick under this second part of surrender. Um, I want to offer you a step-by-step -step pathway here for the recovery of the lost song. How many want to recover the lost song? Amen? A. Replace the wrong king, wicked king self, with the right king, King Jesus. Amen? The king who calls the silence must die, and the king who will bring back the song must be placed on the throne. Let's, let's start it here. Let's start it here as a group by saying he's got to be on the throne of Life Spring Bible Church. You know, if we really want to make an impact in the city, you know, if I say, God, I want Life Spring Bible Church to grow, it's not an uncommon thing for the Holy Spirit to ask me as a pastor, why? Why do you want it to grow? That's an important question. My motivation for asking God to grow this church has got to be perfectly lined up with the Word of God. It's got to be perfectly lined up with His will. Do you realize that if I asked God with the wrong motivations to grow Livestream Bible Church, it would not be healthy for me for Him to do it? Wouldn't be healthy? I can't, it's not. Trust me, I know this. It's not going to be based on my personality or anything I got, my charisma or whatever. Man, no, we want this thing built on the rock, on Jesus Christ. I am not the rock. I merely have the rock working in my life. That's what I need. That's what you need. Amen? So we replace the wrong king, the wicked king self with the right king. Second, reopen the doors of the temple. This one. This room's open. This room is not the church, Right? Reopen the doors of the temple. Get alone in a quiet place and meet with God. Third, remove all the known filth from the temple in your heart. Do what Hezekiah said. Go in there and get it out. How are you going to go in there and get it out? With the help of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Next, restore the worship of God to its proper place in your heart. There's a sequence in sanctification just as there is in sin. Though we have only mentioned the burnt offering, a careful study of the story will reveal that, in fact, three offerings were made in the temple that day. And the smart people, the wise people, will observe them carefully. First came the sin offering, then followed the burnt offering, and finally there was the thank offering. I'm going to say that again. The burnt offering, there was the burnt offering. Uh, first came the sin offering, then there was the burnt offering. And finally, there was the thanksgiving, the offering of thanks, the thanks offering, or thank offering. This order will always be followed when an individual Christian gets right with God today. If you want to get right with God, amen? First, the sin has to be dealt with and settled in the heart. Secondly, the total self has to be surrendered to God. And thirdly, the believer expresses thanksgiving for the provision that has been made for him. You know why that's important? Because you'll go through these steps, and if you forget that thanksgiving part... You're flushing the toilet, literally, on the help 
that God would give you to make it happen. You can't even get these three things done right without God's help. Without the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get it right. You're going to fail miserably because you're going to be dependent on yourself. And we just get back to square one again. When you yield your total self to God, this surrender will open the way for the final stage. Third thing, right? First silence, second surrender, then the song. Then the song. The final God word in our study is the word song. Because it says, when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began also. The song of the Lord began also. When this happens, the very heavens must stand still to listen. The long-lost joy gets restored. Voices long, silent, break into song. Now, some of us know this, some of us don't. And, I, and I'm not making a joke about this. I'm serious about this. Every voice that sings to God is beautiful in his ears. God does not care if you're flat-toned deaf. He does not care, you know? And if you are tone deaf, you shouldn't care either. Amen? All right. So when this happens, the very heavens must stand still to listen. The long-lost joy is restored. Voices, long, silent, break into song. A self-centered, sin-filled life is a miserable life and does not sing well under any conditions. Amen? When sin and self are surrendered to God, heaven's happiness fills the heart and the soul. Hearts are lifted. Shadows flee away. Victory comes when the burnt offering begins, when the self is placed all on the altar. Nobody who has ever faced this issue and paid this price has ever regretted putting his all on the altar. No one's ever said later, I, I did that, I did that, and I regret it. No, no, because when you truly do it and the genuine article falls on you, amen, nothing in this world compares to it. All right? Isn't that great? We've, we've looked at this verse many times. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Um, one wise saint said, joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God. Joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God. Um, but what is joy? You ever, I mean, we've talked about it a lot. And what is this song of the Lord? It is a lifting sense of gladness and delight. It is a free happiness. It's an inner celebration flavored with purpose and accomplishment. Someone described it once as holy hilarity. That's joy. A convert once testified, Jesus really takes the gloom out of you, doesn't he? That's a powerful statement. Author Oswald Chambers defined it in these words. Joy is God in your blood. Joy is God in your blood. It is this joy that is the strength of the believer's personal life and strength of the service um, that he renders for Christ. Another author, Sam Schumacher, was right when he said, the amount of a good person can do depends greatly on how much pleasure he gets out of it. Well, doing things for God, you get pleasure out of it. Amen? One of the important reasons for the rapid growth of Christianity at the beginning was the joy which was characteristic of the early disciples. This joy is poetically called the song of the Lord in our text. Billy Sunday said, 
Many Christians seem to have just enough Christianity to make them miserable, and they don't seem to be willing to get any more. The bread of life and the water of life cannot be recommended to people by those who look as if that food and drink disagreed with them. <laughs> I like that. Billy Sunday was a funny guy. Some people cannot be mistaken for being a Christian because their face is so long that they could eat oats out of a half-inch gas pipe. <laughs> Andrew Murray was surely right when he wrote, My first business in each new day is to get my own soul into a happy relationship with God. So today, at this moment, I humbly claim from you in the name of Jesus a burnt offering of your total life and self placed on the altar. Why am I doing that? I love you. Ruthie and I love you and we want God's best for you. Got to tell you this story, literally in closing. A concert violinist named Bino Rabinoff accepted the dinner invitation of a violin enthusiast who arrived at the restaurant carrying a violin case, which he opened after dinner. I, this is a true story, and I've never been able to read it without it cutting me in my heart. Inside was a genuine Stradivarius violin made in 1734, what experts would consider one of the three greatest violins in the world. It had once been owned by Fritz Chrysler and had been played by Chrysler in the concert at Carnegie Hall. The violin fan gave it to Rebinoff there in the restaurant. Why are you giving this to me, he asked. The donor replied, I want, I want to hear it sing again. It's been silent for too long. Dear Christian, how long has it been since the master's music rang in your heart? Has your heart been silent for too long? There's something that we've got to fix. It's broken in the church, and I'm going to share this with you. After the Lord's Supper, when he had finished, he, he, you know, he... He prayed twice during that time. And at the end, before they went out, what did they do? What did they do? They sang a song. They sang a hymn. They sang a song before they went out. We've been ending our communion services without a song. Now, we don't want to start doing it out of tradition. We want to start doing it out of our hearts. But we're going to need to sing a, a worshipful song at the end of our communion service next week. Then we can go. Then, then we'll have finished. Then we'll have followed the example in the Word of God. Amen? Because I don't want to leave anything out. I don't want to leave anything else out that I'm supposed to have in it. I don't want the song to die out. You know, there's a time to be silently reverent before God isn't there. There's a time for that. That's at one end of the extreme, and the other the ex end of the extreme is way down here at this end where it's silent for all the wrong reasons. It's just muted, you know, lifeless, silent, no song of the Lord. Reverence for God, silence. There are times for that, but not a constant diet of this deathly silence down here at the end where the heart of God is not being touched. And the people aren't reaching out to God. I love that, that when the, the offering went up, the song of the Lord began.
Before it was dead in there, it was dirty in there, rats lived in there, birds made their nests. They used it as a storage place. Where do you put this? I don't know. The temple's not being used. Haul it in there. Well, I'm standing here before you today and closing this message telling you I don't know if there's another message or not. But I believe there is. I believe we're going to have to come back here again next week. That'd be okay, right? But pray for me that I just do what God tells me to do. Amen? I go to the subject that God wants, all right? Let me pray for you again. But I'm telling you what we've been talking about. Stand up with me. What we've been talking about lately, if the devil, if the devil gets away with anything and we modify the path for a little bit, that's one thing. So what we've been focusing on is the is the personal altars of our life. They're very important, right? But now, as you, as you saw today, these altars can be used. We'll clean them up after every service, okay? I mean, we'll spray them down. We'll do what we have to. The altars are open, amen? Um, but as a pastor, you know what I miss? Being able to anoint you with oil and stand before you and lay hands on you and pray for you, but we're heading back there. We're getting back there, but let's keep moving in the right direction until that time is upon us, all right? All right? Father, in Jesus' name, we don't want to leave here today without reaching out to you and talking to you about this message you've given us today. It shocks me to no end, Father, to look into your word and find, once again, there's the children of Israel living the modern-day church, living out what's happening in the modern-day church and, and what the remedy was and what the cure was and how things got turned around. We just got to do things your way, Father. Help us to come back to you. Help us, Father, to put our all on the altar for you. Help us to destroy the silence where your song is not going forth. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name to surrender to you, Lord, everything so that your song can return to our lives. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us afresh and new of all of our sins and all of our shortcomings. But help us to learn the patterns of your word in our lives and on the altars, Father, in our lives, in our homes for now, and by our bedsides, Father, in our closets, our prayer closets, our quiet places. May we as individuals be doing this before you and soon as a church body when we can kneel together close by or hold hands and, and pray and reach out to you as a church body. But even now in our hearts and our souls and our spirits, Father, we're reaching out to you. Yes, Lord, we're going to ask you to grow Life Spring Bible Church for your glory, that souls would be saved. But, Father, we know there has to be great change in our own lives first. Start with us. Start with your house, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, because that's what your word indicates strongly to us, Father. It's got to start in, our, in this house, in our people, our, these people, your people, our hearts, our lives, Father, living for you. Father, we thank you for keeping us safe. We thank you for ministering to us and through us. We thank you for healing this land. Forgive us of our sins and shortcomings and helping us with our repentance. And healing this land because you've heard our prayers. Thank you for watching over Alaska the way you have, Father. But we pray in Jesus' name that this revival would spread throughout this country. 
and yet even, Lord, this world. Father, we just think we're being persecuted here. I pray for Pastor Kamar and the church in India where genuine persecution is taking place. Cause the church to thrive for your glory. Once again, watch over us as we depart from this place today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go with God and be safe in Jesus' name.